0: And um, in in the um, context of what I want to speak about, I'm going to say, um, I, I wish I wish I could win the lottery, so that I wouldn't have to work anymore. Not sure if any of you have ever heard that before. I I, I like to uh, sometimes read uh, when somebody wins the lottery, and you um, and you read uh, the interview of these people. Uh, I find it unique that almost without fail, one of the comments that people make when they win the lottery is uh, some kind of a statement of relief that, you know, that now they will never need to work again. It's kind of as if work is a, is a four-letter word. I guess it is a four-letter word, but um, it's kind of like it's, a, it's one of those... Uh, uh, more negative four-letter letter words, it's, it seems as though work is something, uh, generally speaking, that people kind of feel like they would get, like to get away from or distance themselves from. It seems as though oftentimes people feel like work is something that stands in the way, is a barrier between me and, and being able to really fully and completely enjoy life. And so there's this crazy thing in the way, and maybe all of you have used the phrase or heard the phrase at some point, but it's crazy how works, work keeps getting in the way of life. And um, if I could only somehow get rid of this problem, then I would have it made. Last week we took a little bit of time here, and we, uh, because of the fact that we were kind of really entering into springtime, and, uh, and you saw all kinds of action outside on the fields and on people's lawns, etc., uh, we took the opportunity to look at uh, seed time in the Bible and the many different places in the Bible where it uses seed time and sometimes it adds the words and harvest as illustrations or, or practical life teaching about practical life lessons. And so kind of continuing along that uh, line of thinking or uh, in addition to that line of thinking I've continued to enjoy watching the farmers at work this last week Um, the work that's being done the ambition the diligence the energy the vision the joy and so this morning um, let me ask you this question why do you work um, and, and when I say that I, I'm 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 hitting the whole spectrum. I'm not just talking to farmers and the action on the field. Uh, I'm talking about all the different types of jobs that you do, from kind of the mundane stuff that is normal in your world, uh, household chores and some of those kind of things, and then those of us that have a job somewhere outside of the home or self-employed, the work that you do, uh, and on and on. Uh, the whole spectrum, and uh, we could probably even include, for those of you that are involved in studying, you know, why? why that. So the whole spectrum, why... Why do you work? And I'm guessing that there would be a variety of, uh, of answers out there. And some of the answers could be, um, <laughs> to pay the bills. You know, we somehow, somehow we need to, we need to pay the bills. Or we need to provide, I need to provide for my family. Or uh, maybe even, you know, it, it brings satisfaction and meaning and purpose to my life. Uh, maybe you would say to try and, and attain some of the visions and some of the goals that I have set for myself. Um, maybe you would even be um, um, uh, good enough that you would say, so that I can give away money, and that would be fantastic. I remember my truck-driving uncle, he was in his early 70s when he when he bought another truck, and uh, and he... he kind of showed me the truck, and he was kind of proud of it. And, and I said to him, you know, like most people are kind of heading towards retirement by now, and here you are buying a new truck, and so obviously you're planning to continue to do this for a while. And, and he said, yep, it's the one thing I know how to do, and if I keep driving, I can probably give uh, uh, maybe $1,000 a month to charity, where if I quit that, uh, the number would probably be down to 100 or two. I thought, wow, that's a that's a cool that's a cool answer, and and it's a great reason to work. And as good as all of these reasons are to work that I just finished mentioning, um, I want to suggest, up to and including the last reason that I gave, um, I I kind of feel like as I think about this more and look at it more, I feel like each one of them is still is still missing something. Um I want to suggest that work, and again, referring to the full spectrum of work that we do, I want to suggest uh, here this morning, and I'm going to try and build a bit of a case for it, uh, I want to suggest that work is worshiping God. Working is worshiping God. I say that because I believe that a good read of the first two chapters of Genesis reveals the fact that before sin ever came and ruined things, God had already commissioned humanity to work. And when God commissions us for something, and He equips us for it, and He blesses us in it, and He puts it into our hearts and our minds and our spirits, and when we consciously do what God created us to do and commissions us to do, that there is no greater form of worship than that. I don't mind at all if you bat that around a little bit, even at your lunch table or wherever you go. Um, this is an insufficient example, probably, probably, but maybe the best that I can come up with. Uh, There's no greater compliment to the inventor of a machine or the designer of a program or an app than when that machine or that program or that app beautifully does what it was created for by the inventor. you with me? That is probably the highest form of compliment to the inventor or the designer. Um, Now, in the case of us and God, add to that the fact that the invented machine has a choice and chooses to do what it was created and commissioned to do, and believes that it is an honor to be able to do what it was created to do, and finds ways to consistently point to the inventor While it is doing what it was created to do, I'm going to say that's worship. That's worship in its fullest sense. Now, follow me as I give you the background for why I say this. Uh, There's an interesting book in the Old Testament, it's called the Book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, I've often said that it's one of my favorite books of the Bible uh, for different reasons. Um, One uh, of the reasons why it is is one of my favorite books of the Bible is because it is so um, incredibly honest and so very, very real. And let me say a little bit more about what I mean with that. In this book, Solomon, who's the writer, and he was often considered to be one of the wisest men who ever lived and also one of the richest people who ever lived. Both, by the way, um, uh, things that are stated in secular history about the King Solomon, not just we're not just taking this from the Bible. It's all over secular history that there was a king by the name of Solomon who was considered across the then known world to be the wisest man in the world and also one of the richest men in the world. And so here we have this this book of Ecclesiastes written by this wise, rich, powerful man. And what he does in this book is very interesting because he, he is... Um, I envision him to be sitting in his rocking chair in his senior years, and he is looking back on his whole life, all that he's accomplished, all that he's done, all that happened in his world, He's looking back on all of that, and he's evaluating what all happened in his life. That's the, that's the book of Ecclesiastes. And so it's, it's a very, very interesting read. I would encourage uh, all of you to sit down and read the book. It's got about 12 chapters, and it's I find it to be a, a fun, easy read. Although the, the, the meaning, the, the, the uh, lessons are, are incredibly um, significant. So... Um, at one point, and I'm going to read a couple of verses for you in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, but he has just finished, as we get to these verses that I'm going to read, he has just finished um, lamenting about how useless it is to work hard here on earth. Uh, because before you know it, your life here is done And everything that you worked so incredibly hard for is being given to someone else who never even worked for it. And you spent your life working for all of these things, and now it's being given to somebody else. And you have all these things, but you're too old to enjoy them. And as you die, they are given to somebody else. And Solomon uses the word meaningless, utterly meaningless. But then, listen to what Solomon says, right on the heels of this observation that he's just made. He says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Uh, Interesting how he starts. He says, Then I realized... Okay? So he has observed this, and he has considered it meaningless, the accumulating of all this stuff and working so hard for all this stuff... And looking back on it, and now sitting here and not being able to enjoy it, now he's looking on that, and then he says, he starts with these words, Then I realized, and this is what he says, that it is good and proper for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. For this is their lot." This is what they were commissioned to do. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil or their work, this is a gift of God. See, what he's saying is, if the whole purpose of your work was to gather things for yourself, The whole purpose of your work was to provide for your family. The whole purpose of your work was to pay the bills and to accumulate some things and to make life here happen. If the whole purpose of your work was for that, then when that gathering of things is done and then you plan to sit back and now enjoy those things and then you realize that you can't actually enjoy them because you've come to this magical place, but it's not so magical then it's meaningless. But what he says is, but what if, what if the work itself and not the end result, not the wealth and toys and freedom and power that you accumulated, but the journey of work and diligence in your work is what brings peace and satisfaction and joy and fulfillment. If that were the case, then work is very much worth it. And so Solomon realizes, as many people do too late, that it is actually the activity of working that we were created for and commissioned for and that this activity of working actually fulfills in many ways who we were created to be. And that's actually exactly what it says in Genesis chapter 2 which I already referenced earlier, together with the story of creation, of of humanity, where God created humanity and then immediately commissioned us to, before Adam and Eve even sinned, in chapter 2, verse 15 of Genesis, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to, to work it and take care of it. Adam's first job, his first work, it's what God commissioned him to do from the beginning. So work is not a four-letter word. It is actually a very wholesome, godly word. And it defines to some degree the purpose for which we were created. And if that is so, then it only makes sense that work is essential in order for man to experience true joy and peace and fulfillment and satisfaction in life. Because that's what we were commissioned to do from the beginning. And then it also makes sense that embracing this commission with joy and enthusiasm and energy becomes one of our greatest acts of worship. So you might be sitting there and thinking, okay, so then is all of work worship? Kind of a a tough question in a way. I mean, we are doing what we were created and commissioned to do. Um, and so, maybe kind of. But at the same time, it feels like for true worship to happen, even in our work, somehow our heart has to be involved also. Maybe, maybe it could be a little bit like this. Um, sometimes when we sing we sing reluctantly, maybe on that particular time we are annoyed with the choice of songs or the fact that it is too loud or the fact that it is too quiet or the fact that it is too fast or the fact that it is too slow and you are kind of singing along, your heart is uh, a little bit involved but, but not totally. Um, is that worship? Yes, but. And so maybe that's what we could say with work. Many of us, when we work and our heart isn't engaged, is it worship? Yeah, because we're doing what God commissioned us to do. But there could be more. There could be more depth if we were consciously doing it for God. Let's take a few minutes And look at several, we're going to call them uh, essentials for true, or (coughs) excuse me, maybe I should say for complete worship to happen in your work. the first of these essentials, um, I'm going to call, is an awareness that this is bigger than simply physical earthly work. So a, a, a mental awareness... That there's more to what I'm doing than just this physical, earthly activity. Paul challenges his readers in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. uh, Whatever you do as working for the Lord, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. That sounds like worship to me. Uh, An awareness. Whatever you do, another translation says, whatever your hands find to do. We're certainly not just talking about missionaries and pastors and song leaders and ushers and such. Uh, this, this is the real stuff. This is the normal, everyday stuff that we do. The household chores, the construction, the secretary, the cleaning stuff, the management stuff. Uh, all of that is include. Whatever you do, whatever your work is... Every day as you embark on the normal stuff that you do, we are invited and challenged to believe and to take the time to be aware that in that, whatever that is, with that, you are worshiping God. This is bigger than a simple physical job. As you work, you worship. Second, In order for work to truly, completely, fully be worship, uh, I believe, um, uh, let's say it like this. Uh, You need to have a good attitude. I like the wording Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Um, Let me read all of it. You're just going to have a few words up there. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are a slave or free. Let me pick out a few words there that I see as being attitude words. And these are the words that you've got up on your screen. Uh, Respect. Sincerity, serving, wholeheartedly, um, kind of a pretty inclusive list. Worship God in your work by showing respect to the people you work together with. They are all created in God's image. They all matter. It doesn't matter who they are, where they're from. If you know them or you don't know them, if you like them or if you don't like them, respect. Respect. Sincerity, are you real or a bit of a fake? Whatever you do, how you do your work, how you treat people, sincere, serve. Many different places in the Bible where we are challenged to be servants. You might sit there, well, okay, that could be Darren, but actually in my work, I'm not really in a service oriented kind of a job, and so, I mean, uh, technically this wouldn't really apply to me, and I'm going to say, it doesn't actually matter because we're talking about an attitude of serving. This is something that happens in here. There might not be another person within 50 miles of where you work. Doesn't mean you can't have an attitude of serving. Or you might say, well, I mean, I'm the boss. Uh, Where I work, I'm the manager. I'm the one telling other people what to do. doesn't really matter. This is an attitude. This is an attitude. There are still so many different ways in which you can serve the people around you. Pray and ask God to give you opportunities to serve others at work. You might get recognized for it. You might not get recognized for it. It really doesn't matter because apparently you are actually, according to these verses, serving God... Rather than people, anyways. The person is actually only the means by which you can serve God. Another attitude word here is uh, wholeheartedly. You go all in, positive in the way that you work, and the way that you speak, and the way that you serve, and the way that you respect. Um, wholeheartedly, I'm in this. I love observing people at work. I don't know if you if you play that same game that, uh, that I do sometimes, I, I love to actually go to places of work almost more to watch people than to actually gain um, um, services sometimes. Because I, I love to watch the body language, the, the way that people speak, the way that they treat each other, the way that they treat customers. Um, some are just totally engaged. You know, they're wholehearted kind of people. When they're at work, they're all there. Wholehearted, another word could be uh, enthusiasm. I believe that there's plenty in the Bible that challenges us to remember that a lot of what we would call work as worship is captured in this essential ingredient of attitude. Third, probably closely related to attitude, um, doing your best. Back to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 10. Solomon says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. And then there's that Ephesians verse or verses that we just finished reading. And you look at that in the Colossians verse that we referred to earlier where it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. What is it that drives you? Um, I had a discussion or we had a discussion with somebody this last week at a, in a certain... Um, uh, location, situation, where um, this, this particular person was very good at, um, at music. And, uh, and, but we had this discussion about, uh, about watching sports on, uh, on TV. And uh, we started by talking a little bit about watching golf. And, and somebody made the comment that watching golf on TV is, uh, is about the same as watching paint dry. And, um, by the way, I really enjoy watching golf. I'm looking forward to watching golf this afternoon. Um, While I'm working on my, um, recuperating my roofing muscles and uh, strengthening my couch muscles, uh, I'm planning to, I'm planning to watch golf this afternoon, so be careful what you say. Um, And then somebody else chipped in with how useless it is to watch car racing. I mean, they just go round and round and round and round and round. Round, round. Um, how, How useless is that? And from there, our conversation went to hockey, and someone says, you know, what drives those guys? You know, they play their hearts out one night, and two nights later, it's the same thing all over again. And then a few nights later, it's the same thing all over again. How do they do that? And then, because of the context we were in, Um, I referenced music. And I said, why do you do that? I mean, you're crazy. You just finished playing that piece on the piano and now you're playing it again. And then you play it again. And then you play it again. And again, why? I mean, that's such a waste of time. Oh no, it's not. I do it over and over because I keep on believing that it could be done a little bit better. And I love that. It could always be done a little bit better. And I don't think we always think it consciously, but I believe this is part of worship in our work. Always believing, I could do that just a little bit better. Next time I'm gonna try and do it just a little bit better. I'm gonna try and be just a little bit more efficient. I'm going to try and, and, and load the dishwasher just a little bit more perfect so that, so that everything will get clean and no plastic containers are going to flip upside down and be filled with water later. I'm sure it could be done just a little bit better. Maybe I'm exaggerating. I love loading the dishwasher because I think it could be done just a little bit. Unfortunately, my wife feels that way too when I load the dishwasher. It could be done just a little bit better. I apologize. I worked for uh I worked for a construction guy when i before I had any construction experience, I was just beginning into the construction world and I worked for a construction boss and um and it was interesting because he taught me something i don't, I don't think he was really consciously trying to do it with 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 this, but words mean a lot to me. And uh, there's a couple of times when somehow in the context of what we were talking about, I think I've shared this with a few of you at least before, um, the words good enough came out of my mouth. And he was very strict about never, nobody on his job site ever had permission to use the words that's good enough. It's either good or it's not good. But it's never good enough. If it's good enough, then you're implying that it could have been done better, but it just wasn't worth the effort. Stuck with me. Now we're 25 years later, and uh, I, I think he was onto to something. Uh, doing your best. I think it's one of the reasons why there are certain areas... Uh, that 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 are prosperous it 's it 's an area where generally speaking people have this idea that it could always be done a little bit better and 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 a lot of manufacturing comes out of that. it could be done a little bit better and there 's a keen eye to seeing things that could be done better, doing your best and then I'd like to throw in and I I think again that this this is the connection that we often don't make mentally doing your best because God deserves it and I love watching anybody do something even though it's the farthest thing from my particular interest but when I see somebody doing something and it's done to perfection I think wow that honors God and the person may have no idea that that's what they're doing, but I believe when it's done well, it honors God and His creation and His commission for us to be actively at work. Let me just add a fourth uh, essential to real or complete worship in our work. Uh, and I feel this is a pretty key one, and I, I just, well, they're all key, so let me just add this fourth one. Um, maintain your integrity. Um, in your work. Uh, honesty. It's, it's a tough one. I, I get it. I, I've, I've been in the, not in the high level for sure, not, but in the small business world and in the self-employed, you know, kind of construction world a bit and and it's, it's, there's so many little opportunities to just tweak your honesty a little bit. Um, be, be honest. Maintain your integrity. Uh, Maybe another common kind of area in regard to this being honest and maintaining your integrity is, is take responsibility for your actions. If you've screwed up, be willing to admit it and take the heat. We live in a culture where it feels to me like we are being taught from so many different angles. We're being taught to always find someone else that you could pin the blame on. From our government, and that's way too common, blaming them, to our boss, to our co-workers, to our spouse, or our children, our life circumstances, it's always someone else's fault. I love seeing people who say, my bad, my bad. I, I, it's a, I, I watch it when you guys play volleyball, and, I, and I've loved that, or other sports, and I, and I love seeing that, and somebody makes a mistake, and they look at their team, and they go, my bad. I, I love that. That's a, that's, it's honesty, it's integrity, it's assuming taking responsibility for for when you've made a mistake, and it's not pointing the finger at somebody else. They should have done it a little bit different. It's 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 my bad. Uh, yesterday, I was watching a little bit toward the end of the of the hockey game. That doesn't mean anything. Pittsburgh and Washington. It's was trying to get my spirit kind of warmed up. No, it's it's a kind of a nothing serious story. But um, I was kind of just getting warmed up to watch the one that really matters, and. Um, and one of the refs um, in that Pittsburgh-Washington game, one of the refs uh, made uh, too many men on the ice call against Pittsburgh, and uh, the coach was furious, yelling profanities across the ice, and, uh, and uh, they went to commercial break because they, they didn't wanna show any more of this, I think, but when they came back from commercial break, they, they, they showed us, told us that the, uh, that the refs had, had gotten together and they'd had a little schnetti uh, uh, conference there, And uh, they had decided that actually it had not been too many men on the ice. And they showed this picture. The ref, the exact ref that made the call, skated over to the Pittsburgh um, bench. And he looked at at the coach and he said, it's my bad. I made a mistake. And it was unbelievable the difference from that furious profanity spitting face a moment ago to the, to the coach when he was looking at this ref who had just confessed that he had made a mistake. And this guy and this coach was, yeah, no problem, no problem. It's, it's okay, it's okay. And uh, I remember it happened to me one time too. I was much younger, but I, I was reffing hockey also. And of course, in my world, uh, you know, I wasn't quite at that level where we had video review. And so, uh, <clears throat> and so I had called a goal. And uh, between periods, the coach just furious at me. And I looked at him and, and I said, um, hey i 'm not beyond making mistakes. I may have made a mistake. I just called it the way I saw it, and he looked at me and he said, Cool, don't worry about it. Uh, when we are willing to assume responsibility for our actions um, it's unbelievable how it changes the the perspective- I, even even bosses in many ways I was at a uh, we got a little bit of little bit of time I was at a, um collecting money for the Rosenort Recreation uh, Committee, and I was actually at the G3 elevator uh, halfway between here and, um, and Winnipeg, and I was speaking with the manager there, and while I was in his office, um, he got a phone call from the actual elevator facility, and they had screwed up royally, and, um, and they had not told him about it before he found out via the customer, and, and he was just furious. And he said all kinds of things in front of me that, that, uh, that my mom never said in front of me. And, uh, and when, we were, when he was done and he hung up the phone, he said, I probably should have asked you to leave the office for a minute. And I, and I said, nah, well, whatever. I, I said, I think I kind of get it. I, my take on what you said is uh, you don't actually mind if people make a mistake once in a while, but when they make a mistake, you'd like them to take ownership for it. He said, exactly. Just tell me. We can deal with mistakes. We can't deal with people who don't own up to their mistakes. And so, I've gone on this little rant now. Take responsibility for your actions. Maintain, is a huge part of maintaining integrity in your, in your workplace. Be, be honest. Be honest with Revenue Canada. Be honest with the people that you sell stuff to or the people that buy stuff or, or where you buy stuff or, or, or the services that you provide. Be honest. Be upfront. Be honest. I remember when I was still dairy farming. The guy that drove the bulk milk truck, he, he would always come and he would, uh, you know, he would have to pull out the dipstick out of the bulk milk, milk tank and he would have to read the level of the milk and then he'd go to the chart and he'd, he'd go from the reading across to how much milk was actually in the tank. Then he'd write that onto our little slip uh, of paper and, and leave it with us. And, and one particular day he had obviously made a mistake because he had, he had credited us with uh, several hundred liters of milk more than what we what we had uh, what we actually had in the tank, we always did the reading ourselves just for fun, probably to keep him honest. And um, and here he had credited us with several hundred liters more than what we we actually had in the tank, and uh, we didn't say anything. Be honest. Be honest. It bothered me it bothered me and it kept bothering me and finally 2 weeks later i one day when he came and I, I was in the in the in the milk house i said hey look there's something there's something i got to say and i went back in the slips and i said this one over here i'm i'm 99% sure that was an incorrect reading because i'm sure we didn't have that amount of milk in the tank and uh and he said ah, don't worry about it whatever okay but I said, i, I, I got to tell you because we notice it. Be honest. Find a way to maintain your integrity. Um, maintaining your integrity, maybe, also sometimes means uh, language. Um, I've been in the construction world, and I've been in the truck driving world, and I've been in other, other places uh, of work. and, and uh, Even when you watch hockey, if you have any ability at all to lip read, which it would probably be helpful if we didn't. Um, I wonder, do you guys talk like that at home? Like, you guys have got families. You've got kids. You've got a wife. Speak the way, speak at work the way you would speak at church or home. I was incredibly blessed several months. Sorry for all this hockey stuff, but I'm a little uh, psyched, I have to admit. Um, I was incredibly blessed several months ago when they were interviewing one of the Jets players about their fellow teammate, Mark Shifley, I'm putting him on display here, they played together for several years and this guy said I have never once heard him use a swear word. You guys can, uh, can check it out, he's never been this far in the playoffs before either so I don't know if he'll stick to uh, stick to that but maintain your integrity with the language you choose to use. Huge part of work as worship. Our time is up. God commissioned humanity to work. And when we do that, in its simplest, purest form, you are worshiping God, doing what you were commissioned for. And then when you add to that your heart and your mind and your commitment to integrity and your commitment to doing your best and an awareness all along that you're actually serving God, your Creator, doing what you were created to do, I think we are safe to say your work is your worship. Amen.